Good evening, Patriots. And it's Tuesday, May 10th, year 2022. If you're on the East Coast, obviously, you're in May 11th. I hope you enjoy that Wednesday, which I'm not quite at yet, so I'm good. Patriots, before we begin, remember to get your good night's sleep and with good products to help you sleep. And those best products come from my pillow. And I have a great message here from Mike Lindell. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and I'm here to tell you about my new product from MyPillow, towels that actually work. Watch this absorbency test. Here's another towel that we randomly went out and bought. Here's one of my towels with a nice design. I don't know if you can see this, but you could line a swimming pool with this. This is crazy. Get rid of it. Towels that actually work. The new MyPillow towels are exclusively made with 100% USA combed cotton. With proprietary technology and with maximum absorbency, they dry you faster and are guaranteed to work. I'm interrupting this commercial to bring you my BOGO extravaganza. For example, you get one of my Giza Dream bed sheets and you get a second set absolutely free. Or my six-piece towel says, buy one set, get another one absolutely free. Or get my classic premium MyPillow and get another one absolutely free. So so call the number on your screen or go to MyPillow.com and use your promo code to get my buy one, get one free offers and get deep discounts on all my pillow products. Patriots, you can go to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. That's our Bards Nation's landing page. And there you're going to find all the deals featured right on that top. It's fantastic. Buy one, get one free is huge. It's a big sale right now. And these the, the sheets and the, the, the pillows are all on sale. But those towels rock. I'm telling you, I've had them. Use them. I don't use anything else anymore but my pillow towels. I think I've got like a my pillow bedroom, my pillow towels, my pillow sheets, my pillow pillows, the whole thing. My pillow comforter, my pillow, my pillow, my pillow. It's awesome. So head on over to mypillow.com forward slash bards. Use your promo code bards, B A R D S. You can also use that promo code anywhere on the Frank's Beach site and the My Store site, as well as the My Pillow site. But all your great deals right now are on the My Pillow site. And if you want to talk to a human being, you can call 800-975-2939, 800-975-2939, and use your promo code there while you talk to a Patriot Pillow counselor, and they'll get you all hooked up. So again, MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. I think one of the big challenges that we're going to be facing here as we move forward, because is the challenge of technology in our lives. Technology has the lure of making things easier. And there's going to be a lot of push in different ways to try to sell us on the technology. I'm, I've become myself more than just a skeptic. I probably I really hate technology the way it is. And the problem we have with this centers on the principle of trust because all we have learned from technology since it has kind of revealed what it's about is it's always been designed to be a violation of our trust, to take away our rights, to enslave us in some other way, to take away our need. The, as we face the world we're in right now, artificial intelligence has been growing exponentially. And to be honest with you, I don't know how you get rid of this. And there's a generation coming up and that has become so accustomed to artificial intelligence. I really don't know how you expunge of artificial intelligence to become reliant on it. And worse yet, we have a system, a world that has become so integrated that artificial intelligence is literally running the back end of everything. Artificial intelligence runs the back end of the stock market. In fact, it runs most trades. Artificial intelligence 
drives most of the shipping lanes. Artificial intelligence now has been rolled out to track and monitor the entire supply chain system. And it's on both sides. And when, you, when we take our one party, two faces, Republicans, Democrats, doesn't matter whether you want to call one's party good and one party bad. That's the problem is that both of them are pushing for the same garbage. And I'm not one who advocates for it. And it's not that there can't, couldn't be good applications for some of these technologies, but we literally are going to have to confront how they were designed. And since most artificial intelligence is beyond our designing, we're going to end up in quite an interesting predicament of how do we control our humanity as they try to force feed artificial intelligence upon us. I, for one, in, in least an, in, in the foreseeable future, I'm going to be one that continually tries to break away from that and to live as minimalist with technology as possible, but even that's very difficult. And that's all coming down because these are designs and tools that were built by humans to enslave humans, done by people that are flawed because humans by nature are flawed. So I, I put that out there at the beginning tonight because there's a lot to consider here as we are moving forward. And just to make my point about science and just what it actually is, because science has become a religion, but it hasn't become the process of empirical thought. It hasn't become the process of debate and learning. It's become the obedience to what is told by people that wear a white coat or go by the name scientist. Take a listen to this. Is there an example? You said I told a lot of lies tonight. What would be an example of a that? Lies tonight? Well, no, you didn't say lies tonight. You lack rationality. You didn't cite any evidence to, to talk about the climate change. I said uh, that the, the uh, mankind is not going to be wiped out within 20 years because no science scientist would disagree. says... I'm sorry? Science would disagree. Uh, which scientist? The, uh, the 97% of all scientists who say that say 1 that to 2 degrees Celsius <laughs> will mount the ice caps such that there will be rising sea levels, mass extinctions, and it won't end the Earth, but it will change to a certain point the ecology of our planet such that it is much more difficult for humans to survive. That is the consensus. And a lot of climate change deniers like yourself, like Ben, like Clavin, they, they, they perpetuate that this is all a liberal hoax and that, and that science... Well, I'm not saying it's a liberal... I mean, it's obviously being pushed by politicians primarily. That's why at the United Nations, it's, it's not... Politics. Politicians are going to push political issues. Right, it's politics, not science. That's my point. No, you take the science, and then you say, I don't disagree. Which study? Because what you're, what you're citing, that 97% number has been around for a long time. Al Gore used it in his movie. One issue with that is... First of all, science is not made by consensus. But second of all, the questions that were asked were such broad questions as to a whole array of scientists, many of whom had no expertise in the climate whatsoever. So the, the, to use a, a, a consensus number, especially one that's so old and was, has been so manipulated by politicians, is, I think, not really getting to the point. We don't, we don't take polls to figure out scientific data. So if you think the world is going to end in 20 years, as oh, I thought you said that you thought so. It's going to change to a certain point such a human habitation will be more difficult and it will be vastly different. I'm not a doomsday, you know, idiot. And it's not an old figure. It's ongoing. It's right now. You no, it, it no it's a, that's a figure it's is decades old. old. It's right now. The 97% figure is decades old. That was from Knowledge Equals Truth on TikTok. 
And it's just a debate at a university with one of the speakers. And I think what you're hearing here is the, and what's, what is important about it, that is this is a young man that is obviously indoctrinated. And he does have kind of a navel mound. But he's indoctrinated into this cult of science that has has him thinking in obedience and he doesn't realize it. He is not able to cite a specific study. He is citing generalities. He's not able to cite specific scientists' names because he's lumping them into a consensus model. He's telling his argument is that this is not a old number, it's a new number because it's ongoing. He's not exploring, he's not challenging, he's not using his cognitive abilities. And that's the real challenge to a lot of the world we're in right now. Much of the problem that we face in this day and age is very much, as we were discussing last night, centered around Habakkuk. And it's the same principles. It's a society that has literally fallen into debauchery. We have a descending of an education system where it is accepted that you are just poorly educated and that's okay. And then when that education system gives you something, which is a certificate, your degree, you're, you're recognized as smart, as schooled, but it doesn't mean you have any ability to cognitively work through problems. The, the obedience to the system is greater than the need and obedience to thinking for yourself, thinking free, and building wisdom. These are some of the bigger challenges we face. And so you start to see the entrance, the entry point for AI. And for those people, they want to confirm, and it's a confirmation bias, that their life, that their understanding is a certain way. Artificial intelligence is a brilliant tool because it will ensure that they think a certain way and there will be no deviation. Our challenges ahead are immense. And there is a kind of a sense in the air right now that there's some significant changes going on, which I will say there are. And there's a, and there's a number of things that have popped up today to reinforce the point that something rather significant is going on. Uh, one is Bill Gates came down with COVID. Another is that the NATO chief tested positive for COVID. And you also had Colbert come down with COVID. So we're seeing the interesting thing about all these people that keep coming down with COVID is that they are all elites, which is telling us something fairly significant. And we've gone over this before on the theory that that represented people that had accepted, basically confessed to their crime and then had accepted an end that would come at a random point, but their reputation would be preserved. That was one of the early, it was done about two or three years ago that that was put out, that that's what that would mean. And there's no real way of proving that other than to say that it's very ironic how many of the elites keep coming down with COVID. Basaki came down with COVID and shortly afterwards she gets a position where she's going to resign from the Biden administration. So we see this ongoing and from where we sit, even ourselves, we are questioning the veracity of a lot of these issues, rightfully so, because otherwise we know that we're going to chase rabbit holes that may lead to just more 
unconfirmed nonsense. And it's very easy to write stories, by the way. I've read stories recently about the motive behind the burning of the food plants. And one of them that's floating around is that it's the Patriots, the white hats that are burning down the food plants to purify the food system and protect us from the poisons. That's one of those things that sounds like a good story until you look at the dollars and look at the money. And you start to look at the insurance claims that these companies that are picking up from these burned plants. And then you start to look at the investment dollars that are going into this new vertical agriculture program. And what we're looking at here is a manipulation of those taking advantage of paying off old factories and building new production facilities to replace the food supply with something that they completely engineer and control. Yet there are a number of people out here that will you will cons- that will be considered people, even on a patriot side, that will argue in favor of these sorts of things. And this is going to pose a number of challenges for us all. And one of the reasons that I think that we have to be cautious how we cling on to the vision of where we're going. This is something that comes out in Habakkuk very, very clearly. And I'm going to just read a passage here. It's uh, Habakkuk 2, it begins at 12. Woe to him, this is God speaking, woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and founds a town with violence. It is not indeed, is it not indeed from the Lord of hosts that peoples toil for fire? And nations grow weary for nothing, for the earth will be filled within the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That last passage, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's the way the earth should be. And yet if we think about it, almost every city we've had has been built on bloodshed and built on violence. Our institutions have been built on bloodshed and built on violence. And with this, we have developed an increasing need, I think, to look away from the core of who we are. And there's an increasing need to try to transform things in a way. We're eager to transform things, always using outside influences to try to guide us to a resolution. We, that's just a form of our idolatry. And this, isn't, this concept of idolatry is all through the, the book of Habakkuk. One of the, the main thing that comes out of Habakkuk is that while he's looking at this, talking to God and he's lamenting to God about why would you choose the, the Chaldeans to come in and, and, and sack us? Why would you allow them? And he, this is in Habakkuk 1 where he's talking to God and he's saying, God, I know you are not a God that believes in violence, but why are you allowing somebody to come in and be violent to us? And God basically tells him, you're going to be amazed at what I will do because everybody in the end will be held accountable. But you all who love me have to live by faith. And ultimately, you aren't going to know what I'm going to do, but you have to trust in me that I will do it. And this is a very, very important perspective because after all of the conversations Habakkuk has with the Lord, he ends with this. And I find this very profound because this comes into Habakkuk 3 which is 16. Habakkuk's only three short uh, books, or it's one book with three short sections in it. It's worth reading. 
But here, here how he ends, because he says, I heard and my inward parts trembled. At the sound of my lips quivered. Decay enters my bones, and in my place I tremble because I must wait quietly for the day of distress. For the people to arise who will invade us, though the fig tree should not blossom and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls, Yet I will exalt in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he has made my feet like hinds feet and makes me walk on high places. That last piece, he has made my feet like hinds feet. The hinds feet like a deer. He has made his feet quick and agile to adapt to whatever comes to know that he will walk in high places and he will be able to avoid what's coming. This book to me encapsulates so much of where we are right now and the challenges that we're facing as a nation as we confront so many of the ills, so much of the corruption, so much of the lack of morality. If we're trusting in God, we know a couple of things that are absolutely consistent. And again, we go to the book of Habakkuk to realize that it's all there, that God loves us. He loves us infinitely, and he will continue to love us. But as part of that, he wants to love all of us. And equally to do that, we're going to have to learn some lessons that are not going to be easy. He ends up if we look at the Chaldeans, essentially from Babylon, they're Babylonians. What we discover is a group of people that have a high measure of morality. We don't have to agree with their morality, but they have a very rigid code of conduct. I guess that's probably a better way of placing that. And that code of conduct guides them in everything they do. And in fact, it's a code of conduct that can't stand weakness. It can't stand corruption. It can't stand this sort of lack of anything in their life. And so they are the ones that are being sent by God to sack this the Israelites here. And in a certain sense, it's a dual-hatted thing because God's opening the door for them to come in. Hence the reason that Habakkuk mentions that he must wait for people to arise who will invade us. And he's waiting there because I will wait quietly for the day of distress. He's waiting for that, knowing that this time will come and then it shall pass. But everybody in the process shall be held accountable. Now, if we look at our world right now, we have definitely tried. And if from the Q program to so much in the Patriot type interpretations, everybody keeps trying to find the good guy and the bad guy. Everybody keeps trying to point to the one person who's all good and is somehow going to save the day and the other people who are not, right? Well, my point of this is in this point in time, as we see in Habakkuk, there really isn't a clear line between good and bad. It is a more, it's all about 100% accountability, that everybody must come to a point of understanding the power of God and then everybody must come to the place of accountable to God, which also means there's a measure of judgment. And with that, God's going to provide for his, for those that are true to him. He is going to provide a way to avoid 
the conflict, and it will be a way, a way to endure it. And we've seen that in other scriptures. And it's important to appreciate that because that in itself is a form of exodus. You're stepping away. Now, where we sit so far right now, so many of us have been walking this path, diligently holding to that path and that love of Christ, stepping aside from the temptations and the pressures placed by a state to tell us to play a certain way, take the injection, wear a mask, shut down your, your worship spaces, be obedient to what they tell you at work. And we have seen so many that have had no strength whatsoever and have completely complied with what the state has said. It's a sad state of affairs because all they have ended up doing is, in, is empowering the state to give them more momentum over those that have held fast and said no. Defiance has been the strength in this fight and few, too few have defied, too many have complied. Now where we sit right now, more and more are waking up to defiance, which is good. That momentum has to increase. And to get there, we have to continue to move forward as a defiant mass. The trick is going to be, though, are we going to fall for the trap of the, of the silver, of shiny silver object? And that's where technology comes in again. Scientists and technology. Fortunately, thanks to Fochi, there are more people are questioning the validity of science, but there's still so many people indoctrinated in it. And they believe in the science. There's going to be arguments and you're going to hear them because the ability to grow children in artificial wombs is not a myth. It is already, that science is here. We have technologies that can heal people in amazing ways. And some of those technologies have been developed out of the super soldier project, but they incorporate things like nano blood and nano injections. So there's going to be a whole debate now about efficacy of this. And as a society, there's going to be a tendency because people so much want this to be over. The eagerness for it to be over will lead to others stepping in as false prophets to lead them astray. And that becomes another aspect of what we kind of get out of Habakkuk because there is this devastating blow that he knows is going to come. And he knows that that's the only way that they're going to have to suffer the pain of what God's delivering. They're going to have to suffer the pain of enduring this time where everything that they've known gets broken and, and, sh and shattered, that there's going to be a true sense of everyone will be enslaved or worse. And that sort of suffering is what ultimately brings the awakening to what you had and what you gave up. As a nation, we have given up a tremendous amount and as a people, we have given up a tremendous amount. And it's sick to see. And it's sad to see. Because this war has been one of a, of a slow attrition of will. And while we're seeing the pendulum swing back, I, for one, am, I say this with not with doubt, but with caution. That as it begins to swing back and we enter into summer and people are starting to feel that there's a bit of a spark of hope. We're a long ways from the point of a true awakening. And there's a lot of buzz right now about things that are coming and the good guys are winning. And, and again, I point to some of these issues of people being arrested or not arrested, but people coming down with COVID, which is strange because, again, it's always the elites. There's an administration that we have that is obviously in, incompetent, yet they still have enough power to persuade people to believe that they have power. Again, critical. You're seeing a deflation of the media, and yet they still have an influence to persuade people to think a certain way.
I had an earlier, I had a discussion earlier tonight with my mom and she was making a comment about how few channels are out there for people to get a comprehensive vision of what is out here for news. And there's some great places for homesteading. There's great places for home, for homeschooling. There's great places to get ministry online. All of these things exist very well. But when we come to providing context in this fight, where we should be finding that richness in the pulpit, we're not seeing the richness in the pulpit. Instead, we're finding fewer and fewer full-fledged accounts or dedicated casts, or however you want to say, that is allowing people to capture a broad picture and yet a narrow application to what they can do in their lives. And this creates a big problem, potentially. The answer to this is always the same, which is it's the change happens with us, and it's always going to happen with us powerfully if we're walking with Christ and in that body of Christ. If we take the reserve, if the place and the position that we're going to wait for Christ to return or we're going to wait for something to happen, I think we're going to be very disappointed. And I think it's going to be a disappointment because these people in power are far from being displaced. And even those that are coming up behind, if they aren't hearing from the people, they will make a decision for what will be right for humanity. We have an extreme obligation right now to keep a forward pressure on all things, to keep our be very vigilant and to be very skeptical of promises, especially in the, in the realms of technology. We are looking at a world that is so bizarre at this point in time that the technologies that are out there in the, in the dark labs and the military labs, the sorts of things that exist there for some in this world and probably for many would look like science fiction. And yet those technologies are here. They're not being allowed out because they're classified for one reason or another. The idea of human cloning, for example, is not a myth. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's been going, it's been going on in dark labs for years. The idea of genetic manipulation is not new. They've been experimenting with chimeras for years. Off book or in dark labs or in foreign countries. That's part of what Ukraine is about. So the things of science fiction probably are more real than they are fiction. The stories in fiction films are probably often more real than the truth. And that paints a very unsettling world that we actually have that's been poorly managed with lack of trust, driven by people who in the end are more consumed with their own gain than they are for the benefit of humanity. And right therein lies one of the greatest challenges that we have. Because that lack of relationship with God has led so much of what we do astray. More and more people are accepting the truth of where we are sitting. And yet, more and more, there's a group that's going to be stepping aside. All that said, we have to get back to caring for one another. Now, I'm going to play a piece here that's about two minutes. And I'm going to narrate it a little bit before we start because it's, it is a visual piece. So I don't know how there's good voice work, but I don't know how much it's going to come across. But I'm going to talk it as we, before we go. This is a pretty amazing piece. This is a young man that comes up to a, a, Latin, a Latino guy that's in his car. And he's trying to get gas. And he says, hey, bro, do you have 
money for gas. And the guy says, I only have $2. So he says, well, maybe you put $1 of gas in your car and $1 of gas in mine. And the, and the Latino guy doesn't really know what to do. And so the Latino guy offers him a quarter. Now think about that. That's all he has. $2. And he offers him a quarter. And as the guy takes the quarter, he then hands him back a wad of cash. And he says, this is for you. It's a beautiful story. I'm going to, we'll play it, and then we'll talk it. Here we go. I have some gas money. For me? For me. I, I don't have money to put gas in the car. Oh, me too, man. I, I have only $2. I'm two, looking for two, for get five. Do you want to do, like, one buck, one buck? Yeah. How about one quarter? Yeah, that's Dude, thank you so much. Here. He's handing him the money. Why did you do that? Because you gave me a quarter. Oh, it's okay, man. Thank you. No, no. Now you can put gas in your car. Uh, it's okay. Take thank it. You. No, no. Here. What's he's, wrong? He's in his car crying now. What's wrong, bro? Sorry? I don't have work. You don't have work right now? No, but I want to get work. What, what do you do for work? Construction. Construction? Yeah. And there's not much work at the moment? Yeah, I have work. Okay. Well, here, you take this. Oh, no, Bro, please, take oh, this. I get on the tip. No, no. Take the whole thing. Please. Oh, no, it's okay. Please. Here, and then here's 100 more. No, 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 I, I, I know look, look, look. I can work. Listen, I listen. No, no, I, I know, I know. Right now, with COVID, with everything, life is crazy, and I hear you. And the, I mean, you're looking for work, right? So use this as a little stepping stone. You'll find work, and just God bless you, bro. Yeah, you too, man. Please take. Thank what, you what's so your much. name? Pedro. Pedro? Yeah. Steven. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course, bro. Thank you, man. Of course, bro. Be good. Be well. Yeah, of course. Thank you for offering for me. I appreciate it. Here. Thank you, man. Thank you, bro. Take care, brother. You too. You too. It's literally that simple. And man, I'm telling you, that that piece literally breaks me up when I see it. Because it's so purely beautiful. And there's so much richness in how simple life is to solve. It is not, it is literally not an issue of more technologies and more gadgets. It's more time with each other. You know, I go back to Habakkuk because in the whole story there, what's missing is the intimacy of the relationship with God, the intimacy and the relationship with Christ, the intimacy and of course, this is before Christ. So intimacy, relationship with God. But the intimacy and the relationship with one another as well. And it's a stunning discussion when you really read Habakkuk because he has an intimate relationship with God. And I love it because he's just so candid with God. And he even goes on to rebuke God a bit for why are you bringing in the Chaldeans? But when we neck it all down, it's dealing with the purity of who we are that's missing in this whole existence with the Israelites. They don't have an intimate and caring relationship with one another. It's very much as we are now, where people are so consumed 
and I won't say everybody because we have this beautiful rising group of people that is, are finding faith and they're finding their relationship in Scripture with God and Christ. But there's still such power in this world of people that are so consumed about what their salary is going to be and what their title is and what the cars are going to drive that something this simple, something this simple, so powerful, we miss. We forget that sometimes just giving somebody that one little touch, that one little bit of hope can change the world. During the Berlin airlifts, when that dark time in our world history, when Berlin was cut off from the world and we were dropping in supplies into Berlin. And the stories that came out of there, the simple act of children receiving a bar of chocolate and how that changed their life. There's so much richness in what we can do as people. As Americans, we're a a beautiful people. We give deep with our hearts. In fact, we are the most giving nation on the face of the earth. And that's something we can never lose. And if we're really going to be great again, that has to be one of our greatest strengths that's out there. Not the technologies, not the high-speed trains, not not the tube trains by Elon Musk, not your latest electric car not Skynet that he's trying to build, not AI systems that are supposed to make life easier because your phone's going to talk to you and probably crawl out of bed with you. All of that you can cast aside and go to a simple issue like this with one guy helping another, intentionally seeking to help someone. That's how we change the world. And those acts of kindness and those acts of intimacy are truly God-driven. And what we learn is in that moment, it didn't matter what he's driving. It doesn't matter what he's wearing. It's just one person taking care of another, and we revive the true essence of who we are as people. And as we, as we should as a nation. So I say all these things because there is a fairly sizable storm coming. We're going to be seeing a lot of upheaval. We don't know how big or bad it's going to be. It could be crazy. It could be nothing like we expect. What I do know is in that true sense of if you want peace, prepare for war. That has been a mantra of mine for years. And and very happily, I can say to a large extent, Bard's Nation has done just that. And the beauty of that statement is when you do that, Many times the anticipated is much lesser than what it would have been because of the fact that you were preparing. But by preparing, we're also prepared to truly help one another. We are in a position to be able to build those bridges that we need to build. We've got to find a way to heal. In the midst of this crazy fight, and there is still a lot of crazy fight out here in our attempt to crush an evil that is rooted in a religion of communism and a religion of false science. As we bring back the power of God in our world, the one thing we are assured of is that he loves us and through our faith, he will guide us through. 
And the most important part of that is never to forget each other. Because when we put that emphasis in those places where we're truly looking out for the children, and not just looking out for them, but doing those bold and beautiful acts of kindness, and that's like dropping boulders in the middle of a pond with beautiful waves that hit the shore. It's not pebbles. It's boulders, and it's great boulders that shake up everything because it's such powerful moments like that that transform souls. So let's not forget all of that in the midst of this crazy because it is easy to get sidestepped. We get frustrated with the craziness of these people talking about Roe versus Wade and trying to support the murder of children. We get frustrated with an administration in this country that we know is illegally there. We get angry over the fact that they're trying to sell our sovereignty down the, the drain. All of these things we cannot let we can't let it go. We have to make sure through our vigilance that they don't succeed. But I will tell you that, and this is one of these great lessons from war that comes from my heart. As I've said before, war offers one of the most amazing places on the face of the earth. It shows you the worst and it shows you the greatest of humankind. The, the worst is there. That's not hard to find. But what stuns you is when you find the greatest. You find the most heroic acts of courage. You find the most, the deepest touches of compassion. And it happens all over. And that's truly, I think, what has defined the American soldier and what I hope will define the American patriot when we look back on this war. So for all of the frustrations and hate and anger and anxieties that have been shared across many levels for all of the pain that we've carried. One thing that we have that is far beyond just our determination and our resilience and our resolve is the compassion that comes to us as a gift from God. And when we truly embrace that and we try to embrace it as Christ would do, we become the greatest warriors the world has ever seen. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening just very humbled. Jesus, we just ask that you'll walk with us tonight. Be with us as we reflect very deeply on the compassion which you showed in the time you were here. A compassion that took time to sit with prostitutes and tax collectors. A compassion that took time to raise up your disciples. Compassion to heal the blind. A compassion to separate those that were wanting to kill another on the accusation of adultery and yet to leave them all with the challenge to sin no more. Jesus, we, we are in a place right now when that strength is, will be the strength that carries us and defines us. So we pray for that encouragement. We pray for that blessing and that touch that can come from you to lead us in these days to discern and to truly live with that compassionate heart as we face a very vile and evil enemy. But knowing that in that walk of agape, that there's nothing that they can do to us, and better, there's so much we can do for them. 
Lead us, guide us, and protect us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Lots ahead of good things, lots ahead in challenges, and lots ahead for opportunities for us to truly grow into that true walk with Christ. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent, always press into the fight. God is with us and he will never forsake us. And we need right now prayers. Truly, I think prayers for the healing of this nation that we can all carry in here. For We have been given dominion and we need to use it. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow afternoon for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing through, fight for all we had to lose. Reaching out for something to pull us up to the level ground. Oh, I can see it now. I can see it now. Stay the same. Red.
Counting on his faith When your soul answers calls far away Safe place to hide from the rain. 